We're here in this moment to flip the script. Tell somebody, flip the script, all right? This is the finale. This is a change. This is where we make the story go a whole nother direction. On April 20th of 1913, Sir William Osler delivered this speech at Yale. I'm just going to give you the cliff notes. It simply said this, live in day-tight compartments. Live in day-tight compartments. He says, if you can put this into practice, you're going to solve about a thousand of the problems. If you learn to live in this day-tight compartment. Later, psychologists Matthew Kingsworth and David Gilbert said this way, the average person spends about 46.9, of their time thinking about something other than what they're doing right now. You spend half your time thinking about being somewhere else, doing something else other than what you're doing right now. So a lot of you need to come back to me right now. All right, come here. Simply, we're living in the wrong time zone. You're either depressed about the past, regret about the past, letting your life be controlled by something you did in the past. You're worried about the future. What's going to come? What's going to happen? How's this going to be made? What are we going to do? Or you're distracted, frustrated, overwhelmed about today. And in all of this, we're half present, half the time, meaning we're living half a life. Only half a life. To be fully alive, you've got to be fully present. You've got to be engaged in the moment, in the day. Living in daytight compartments. And this is so you know, this isn't just some person's idea. This comes right from Scripture. Give us this day our daily bread. Take up your cross daily. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The mercies are new every morning. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't worry about tomorrow because you got enough for to deal with today. Win the day. The idea of day tight Compartment is, is a thread that goes from Genesis, from creation, all the way through to Revelation. And here's the bottom line. Yesterday, it's history. All right? Tomorrow is a mystery. Our job is simply to win the day. You're to win today. You're, you're to succeed in today. No matter what your goal, no matter what your problem, no matter what try to habit you're trying to fix, what type of habit you're trying to build in your life, whatever, the secret lies in this that you're trying to win the day. You have to win the day. And it's biblical. Sanctification says work out your salvation daily with fear and trembling. You're you're to work it out. That's our goal. So let me plant a seed in you about your day. Anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. But it's guaranteed when you let the Holy Spirit help you. God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says that. Have you thought about that? More than you can think. More you can turn and ask for help. More than you want anything. God says, I can do that. 
plus. I can do that plus, more, abundantly more. So why does 75% of everything we attempt and we start and every new idea, we're going to make this new resolution, we're going to work this out, why does it fail in the first month? Because we're thinking about a year timeline. We're overwhelmed. I mean, okay, I'm going to diet for a year. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to change all my I got to change. I got to rip out the cabinets. I got to get rid of all the stuff up there. There's, I got all these bonbons and different things hidden in different places. I got to find them. Got to get rid of the chocolates. I don't know if I can do this. I quit. You haven't even started. So the question is, can you do it for a day? Can you do what you're thinking about, this habit, this thing that God's trying, what God is speaking to you, can you do it for one day? One day. Not a year, one day. The only ceiling in our intimacy with God is our daily time with him. Our daily disciplines with him. Well, I don't have time today. No, you do not have time. You have to win the day. Your daily discipline starts with that. If you do the right thing day in and day out, God's going to show up. He's going to show off. He's going to do some incredible things for you. But you've got to get that day and win the day. Valdemore Lennon says this, there are decades when nothing happens. Then there are weeks Decades happen. I believe that we're living in a time when there are going to be days in which decades happen with God. Spiritual forces are trying to change God's timeline. I don't know if you're you're having these thoughts or not. Satan is attempting to hurry things up. He's trying to rush God's agenda. He's trying to change the timeline. Trying to take it out and make it his timeline. COVID-19 was a day that decades happened. Emergency orders suddenly set aside whole systems of government. We've never seen this before in a day. The day that George Floyd and so many others would die. The spirit of lawlessness has just released upon the world and just accepted. Mass deception. If you ever just say, how can you possibly have any rational thought and believe this? Mass deception, mass division, a spiritual blindness that you can't even explain. It's not party. It's not political. This is spiritual. This is spiritual, what's going on. Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal who are offering children sacrifices. And God reveals himself in a day. In a day, it is all changed. It is all turned around. Those days in which decades happened are going to become frequent and more often. Another day is coming. Destiny is not a mystery. Destiny is a decision. And you are one decision away from a totally different life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Push someone. Are you ready? Say something. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready for God to do something different? Respond in the chat. Are you ready? 
I'm ready for God to show up in this church. I don't know if you guys are. I'm ready. I'm ready for God to wake people up. You, you can't just go along thinking it's only about your problem and dazed about what's going on. You need to have spiritual eyes to see what's going on. I want you to start waking up and making declarations, not just wishes that God would do. I want us as a people to come together as an Acts 2 church in demonstrations of power and authority where we're saying, I don't want to go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to live in the abnormal, in the different, in the God moment that this is supposed to be. So here's my big idea that I want you to think, I want you to grab a hold of today. If you want to change your life, you have to change your script, your story. If you want to live your life like we're talking about, you have to change your story. In the science of understanding systems, there are two types of changes to happen. There's the first one, the first sort of change, it's behavioral. If I just change what my actions are, what I do, okay? Uh, It's doing more or doing less. If I do that, that's it. If I eat less, I weigh less. If I exercise more, I'll lose more weight. I'll, I'll do better, you know? Uh, They're quick fixes. They're good. But the second order changes are conceptual, all right? That's when we allow the Holy Spirit, that's where we allow God to come in, change our thinking, and then change matter. The spiritual will change your circumstances around in which you live. When you let the Spirit come in that way, there's a creation that happens. It happens in our life. The first creation is internal. It's in our mind, in our thinking, the way we we talk to ourselves. The second creation is physical, in the external, and he changes things around. He causes that. He causes what is not to be in our life. Creation comes from spiritual thought, from spiritual revelation, letting God show you something. We are God's workmanship. Did you know that? God had this idea, and from his imagination, we came. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Yet where do we focus? Where are our thoughts? They're on our habits. They're on our external exercise. They're on our proficiency. They're on our practice of scales and skills and productivity. They're all on this stuff, which are good. They're not life-changing. And at some point, our willpower, my willpower, is going to break down, and it's not going to last. All right? But spiritual revelation, when I'm seeking God, when I'm asking God, when I'm letting God do the work in me, that brings internal habits that last and produce greater work. They last longer. It's a part. It's just something he does in us. Through us, with us. Something about Ephesians there. Spiritual revelation does this type of thing. John Quincy said it this way. Whoever tells the best story wins. The story you're telling yourself in your mind, because you're not letting the Holy Spirit change that script, wins. 
Oh, it's going to be a failure. It's going to be a mess. You know what's happened in the last 10 years? You see, what, last week, remember what happened like that? It was just a disaster. This is going to fall. Do you see how those marriages fall apart? My marriage is going to fall. See what's happened with those kids, right? You let that story, that script, play out in your mind. That's not God's. And that story wins. You are telling stories to yourself that defeat you. You are talking to yourself and saying, you've already lost before you even begin. The Cleveland study said that you have 60,000 thoughts a day. So you guys are pretty productive, right? You have 60,000 thoughts flying across your brain, snapping, and, oh, yeah, I have this thought like that. Here's the problem. 80% are negative. Houston, we have a problem. 80% are negative. And some of you are achieving even greater at 90%, 99%. You're just working overtime at being negative because that's all that you can see. Scripture says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Out of your heart flows who you are. Do you hear that? Your thinking, your thoughts, these negative thoughts produce who you are. Your thoughts are psychological and they're physical. Uh, Your thoughts can lower your blood pressure, slow down the pulse, boost your immunity, or they can cause your blood pressure to go through the roof, your pulse to beat 100 miles an hour, and for you to be sick. The battle is won or lost in your mind. What you tell yourself is more important than the situations you're living in. What are you talking to yourself about? Oh, nobody likes me. Oh, everyone's against me. Oh, this is what's going to happen. Oh, this is what happened last year, so it's going to happen again. You are talking bad about yourself. We talk so bad about ourselves, no one would be around us if we talked to them that way. Oh, you're going to fail. You're not going to do this. Oh, you, you can't do that. No one would even be around us. We talk better to strangers than we talk to ourselves. And we have to change that. We have to let that change. We have to wake up to that. We have to see God do something different in us. The point is, the battle is more lost in our minds. What you tell yourself is more important than the problem, than the situation, than the people you face. That is the point of time. That is when, that is where, that is how you flip the script. You change the story. I want to give you an example, uh, so make sure you pull out your notes, you follow along with me. Genesis 50, 20. I'm going to give you the story up to that verse, and then we're going to read that verse. We have a teenager who's been kidnapped. His name is Joseph, and he has this dream. His brothers are bowing down to him. And you know what he does? Hey, guys, brothers. Now, imagine your brothers here. I had this dream last night. And you were bowing down to me. Mistake! You shouldn't tell your brothers and sisters that one. And so, as what turns out, they take him, they beat him up, they throw him in the pit, they sell him as as a slave to the first caravan coming back. Then he ends up in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And then he's forgotten. But one day, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. 
In one day, he's second in command of all of Egypt, the greatest nation at that time. In one day, 13 years happen, and then his brothers come begging for food. Genesis 43, 20. And in that moment, his brothers bow down. He sees. They don't know who he is, but they come, please, we're dying. Will you, will you bless her? And they bow down to him. Can you imagine his thoughts and his feelings? I was a 17-year-old when I first had that vision. I shared it with you in 13 years of pain. Now in one day, that vision is coming true. In a day, a decade happens. Don't give up on your dream. God puts something in your heart. Don't you give up on it. Dreams involve risk. They involve sacrifice. They involve us staying on the, our knees. God never promised you a cruise. He said, you hang in there with this. Then verse 50, 20. Time lapse is going on. All these twists, all these turns. It seemed like this whole thing was off the track. It wasn't going to happen. And it says this in verse 20. You intended me harm. There's situations in your life. You intended me harm. There are people that have been against you. You have intended me harm. There are situations you're faced. You have intended me harm. But God. Do you hear that? But God. Come on now. Can you get this? But God. There's got to be some amazing something like that. But God. God, you intended it for good to accomplish something that has never been done for the saving of many lives. But God, you intended this for harm. You intended this to knock me out. But God, he has another plan. He has another story. I'm praying that God gives us 50-20 vision. That when you see a problem, when you see a circumstance, you go, oh, I'm out of here. Oh. God's not here. Ugh, what am I going to do? We go, you intend me harm, but God, he's going to use this to plant and bring something, to bring about a harvest. But God is grooming me. God is doing something. God is preparing me. This is not the final story. But God. For us to flip the story, there's three things we have to do. You have to know your name. Who are you? You have to fix your focus. You have to change your story. Number one, you have to know your name. 100 years ago, Charles Oren Cooley, the founder of American Sociology Association, said this. You're going to have to listen to me because this is a kind of a brain twister, a tongue twister. And you have to kind of stay with it. But when you hear it, you're going to go, oh, wow. All right? I am not what I think. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. You catch that? I'm not what I think. I'm, I'm not what you think I am. But I am. Somehow I have this idea of what you think I, I'm thinking, which I'm totally wrong. I messed up. have no idea. You're probably not even thinking about me. But I am... What I think, I think, 
You were thinking about me, I think. You get that? He's trying to let you know that we're, we're, we're having this, this um, looking glass self. You see yourself how others, how you think others see you. You spend most of the day thinking, oh, they're upset with me. Oh, they're done with me. Oh, I'm going to get fired. Oh, this is over. Oh, uh, this is going to happen again. Oh, you spend all your time thinking about what others think. And you have no idea what they're thinking, and you're thinking about it wrong. So the whole perception you have about yourself is wrong. And you are living that. Well, I'll buy that. I'll buy what I think I think you're thinking. I'll live my life by what I think I think you're thinking. Do you hear that? That's easy. Letting scripture change you? Oh, no, I don't know if I can think that. Hearing what God thinks about you? What God declares about you? What I'm going to do in you? Oh, I can't believe that. But we'll think about what somebody thinks they think about us, and then we'll think we think that's it, and we think that's right. And we start living to their expectations, and we let other people narrate or tell us what our story's going to be. We need to take our cues from the Scripture. The scripture is your script, is your story. It's script cure. Script cure, curing us of this thinking. James says the Bible is a mirror. It's where we discover who we are in God's eyes. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the apple of my eye. You go on and hear what he declares about you. Genesis 45.3. I am Joseph. Oh, excuse me, we have time for a daily double. What name did Pharaoh give Joseph once he made him an Egyptian lord? What was the name that Pharaoh gave? Anyone know? It's so long I can't even pronounce it. Look on the board yourself. All right. A lot of hieroglyphics in that one, okay? But his name was changed, all right? It was so easy for jo Joseph to forget his past. Just to live a whole different life. Like nothing else had happened, nothing else mattered. In tough times, what do we do? We forget who we are. You forget your gods. You forget you're adopted. You forget you're a part of his story. You forget, but God! Intended good. Nebuchadnezzar calls Daniel Balthazar. Because Satan wants to come and with circumstances and situations in your life, he wants to change your name, he wants to tame you, he wants to label you, he wants to define you. And we're living that script. We're living that script. Ephesians 1, Jesus says, you are blessed. You are chosen. You are adopted into the family of God. You are blameless. You are redeemed. You are sealed. You are stamped. I could preach a sermon series on each one of these words. I can't even begin to unwrap what God says about you. You have to know your name 
And two, you have to fix your focus. Fix your focus. This is key. Our focus determines our reality. What you're looking at, what you're looking at and and kind of see all the time, that determines what you think is real. That determines what you're calling into your life. Philippians 4.8, if anything is good or pure or right or just or admirable, think about such things. Let your mind focus on this, not the 80% negative that you've been focusing on. Why? Because our focus... If we focus on the wrong things, we come up with excuses. We make ourselves a victim. It's easier to be a victim. I can't do that because of this. This is beyond me because of this. If you would change, then I'd have to. Oh, I thought that right there. Then if you change, then things would be good for me. That's what we say. That's what. Or we can look. We could seek out God. We could remember what he's done for us. We could be thankful. We could do a reappraisal. In this crisis, in this circumstance, I am thankful that I have God. Because I know there's a but God coming. I'm thankful that I'm part of his story. A reappraisal. And it changes our outlook and our story. Joseph would not be a victim. He declares, but God, he's got a plan, but God intended this for good, but God is going to save many. We all have this explanatory style, this story that we're doing of how we explain life. This happened because, and we go back and we check our life because whatever reason we've made up, whatever hurt or trauma has happened to us, this will be my life. Dr. Martin Siegel says this, explanatory style is the manner in which you habitually explain to yourself why things are happening this way. As you look at this nation, as you look at this state, you are explaining as to why it's happening based on some wrong thinking of what you think others think about you. You're living your life based on some wrong thinking about what you think other people are thinking about you. You've had some harsh things happen to you, so you think, this is reality. You forgot to include, but God. But God. Joseph's explanatory style was, you intended me harm. But God intended it for good. God's writing a different story. There's something he's working in and through me. He's preparing me for it. I've been kidnapped, I've been betrayed, I've had false imprisonment, I've been forgotten, but God has a plan. So what's going on today? What's your story style? What are you telling yourself? How are you talking to yourself? There's a refiner's fire coming. It's time to wake up. It's time to show up. It's time to enlist. You're part of the army of God. You don't have, you know, hey, I decide I'm choosing this week. I'm going to make a decision about what this is. No, you have nothing about it. You've enlisted. What comes out of the refiner's fire? Something more. More precious. More gifted. More pure. Something more. Are you allowing God to 
to refine you? The prophet Malachi 3.2 says this, who is able to endure? Who is able to stand? Who is able to face him when he appears? For he is like a blazing fire that refines metal. He is like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. Who stands? Those who let him refine them. Those who let the tough stuff happen. Those who grow. Do it. Allow God to refine. How do we fix our focus? I'm going to give you a couple quick things. You fix your focus on Jesus. That's the first thing you do. What did Peter do? Jesus, is that you walking in the storm on those storm? Tell me to come, I'll come. Come. Jumps out of the boat. He's looking at you. Man, this is crazy. And then where does he look? Whoa, you see that wave? Whoa, you see that wave? Whoa, what's going on? You see this water? Is he looking at Jesus? He starts to sink. When he says Jesus and turns his gaze back, he reaches out his hand, up and walking on water again. Are you looking at Jesus or are you drowning in the problem? Are you waiting for the but God? Or do you have a different story? Where is it at? Some quick things that will help keep your focus. One, keep a gratitude journal. Have a journal. Okay? Write the things down that God's done that you're thankful for. Okay? This is what it does. It does something to your brain. It tells your brain, let's look at these things. Stop looking at all the bad things. Stop worrying about all the other issues. Let's fix our things on where God is working and what's going on. There's something when you write it down, this is what God does. Number two, change of pace, change of place, changes your perspective. Have a routine. Are you just reading scripture daily and just seeing what God said? And then, then read it in different translations. Read it in NLT, the New Living Translation. Then read it in the Amplified. And you see different things and different ideas pop out with you. Uh, but pray. When you pray, it changes you. You start out praying, it's wrong, it's got the wrong motive. God said, that's all right. I'm going to change you a long way. Tomorrow we're going get, to get it a little bit better. You bring your focus by fasting. To God, I need an answer for this. I need a word for this. And you start fasting. You read older Christian books. You know what? Those are new ideas because those ideas have been forgotten. It'll give you new insight. Have you ever read The Power of the Blood? Just a short little 80-page book. Big print. It will change your life. Ever read In His Steps? You've heard about it. What would Jesus say? But have you read it? The Hour That Changed the World. There's a good book. Talks about prayer. Actually tells you what to do. Not all the people who did it. Get a word from God. You know, when's the last time you went after God to get a word from him? What do you say? What do you want me to do? Instead of guessing and cramming things in and making it all work, when have you got a word from God? You should be showing up every Sunday with a word from God that you can tell others. That's what the body's supposed to do. You're not supposed to wait for me to get a word. You're supposed to come with your words, and then as I share a word, all of a sudden, like, my gosh, can you think of this? On the back, number three. 
You have to change your story. You have to change your story. Emory University uh, did a study on what's the best predictor of a child's emotional well-being. Now, you might think uh, it's going to the right school, uh, getting lots of hugs and lots of kisses, uh, going to Disneyland, wrong answer. The number one indicator of a child's emotional well-being, and this is going to surprise you, is knowing their family history, their family story. Everyone's born into a story. My kids are born into my story. I'm born into my parents' story. My parents were born into the grandparents' story. We all have a family origin. And when you go to Scripture, what you discover is you were grafted. You were placed into his family. You were adopted. You were put into his story. In fact, even more than that, Scripture has become your script, the covenant The promises that he's made become your life. And your life becomes the rest of your story, of his story. It's where he continues the story. You are the only Bible that many people are ever going to read. Your life Is it a good translation? You know there's four Gospels, but you're the fifth. There are 28 chapters in Acts, but you're the 29th chapter. There's 22 chapters in Revelation, but you're the 23rd chapter. Are you a good translation? Your life is a a to-be-continued. It's a hyphen through and in your life. How does it work? This is very simple. When we read a verse, that idea that is presented as we read the scripture, at first it's just a theory. It's an idea. God says do this, and oh, sounds good. I I can believe God. But it's not real because it's just a theory to you. You've never experienced that verse yet. You've never seen that verse work in your story. So you put it into practice. You exercise some faith, some hope, some love. You obey what the word tells you to do. And now all of a sudden you find you're leading a life that's spirit-led. Not on your whims and not on anything. You see, you're hearing God and you're seeing it happen. Theory becomes your testimony, your story. Matthew 16, 9, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Decades ago, that became a reality to me. At the age of 14, I was on a Royal Ranger outing. I was 14 years old. Two leaders had to go to the hospital the night before and take a, take a boy that hurt himself. So they were out, not on the trip. Another leader got this migraine, and he is flat. He's unable to even literally move. We have to carry him on the bus. He's laying in the aisle of the bus, unable to move. That leaves one leader, a whole bunch of crazy boys. And in that moment, the leader says, we're in trouble. Guys, there's a storm coming. We've got to pack up. 
if we get stuck down in this valley, we're not getting up that road. It's a dirt road. It's a mud road. The, the rain will wash it out. It will be a problem. We'll be stuck here several days. We have to leave now. So we're scrambling. Do I, I just felt prompted to pray. I grabbed all the boys together, and then we formed a circle. And he says, what are you doing? We're going to pray. I guess i got to do that. So he joins the circle. I said, God, you know what's going on. I pray it does not rain. And then I felt God's prompting. You really want me to stop rain? You're kind of going to drought. You need some rain. Okay, God, I want you to put a circle around us where it doesn't rain. And in that moment, when we finished the prayer, it started raining. But we noticed something. It wasn't, we weren't getting wet. There was a perfect circle around the entire camp, and there was a beam of sunlight down upon us. And the clouds were all around us. When we loaded on the bus, it shifted over the bus. As we drove up the road, it traveled with us. We could literally see the storm. It was just thundering and just throwing down waters like that. And there was a sunlight all around us, all the way two to three miles up that steep ridge. I mean, really, God, you can do things that I can't imagine. It became something that's a part of my story. People ask me to pray for weather. Nancy's done it a few times. This bad weather. Don't worry, I got the weather one. I know my story. Put it into practice. It becomes part of your story. Prayer is not outlining your agenda to God. God, here's what I want to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's what I want. It's getting God's word and God's presence into my life. It's letting God outline the agenda my life is to take, what I'm to do. The theory becomes my testimony. 2015, at the presidential debates, a very unusual question was asked. It did not get much notice, but it was a very profound question. And they asked the presidential candidates this question. Do you have a word from God? They're asking a presidential candidates seeking office. Do you have a word from God? Because they hadn't heard it from the church. Do we have a word from God? question to you is, do you have a word from God? God wants to give you a word. I believe I have a word from God. I believe that we're living in a time, in a season of acceleration, of suddenly. There have been decades Everything seems to be throttled. Everything has seemed to be stopped. Things have not worked out right. But I believe this is a day of suddenness. This is a day in which God 
is going to do in a single day what we thought couldn't happen in decades. A day of suddenly. It will get darker. So the suddenly is profound. The suddenly is a but God moment in our lives. Do you feel that? Do you sense any of that? Don't you need to seek the Lord? God can do more in one day than you can do in a thousand lifetimes. This is a season of acceleration. I want to quickly close with this illustration, but I'm not going to quiz you after on this, what I'm going to say, just, but just so you have an idea. But in physics, velocity is a change in position. Acceleration is a change in your velocity. Each change in the technical term brings about a jerk, a push forward. In the first derivative of acceleration, there is a jerk. In the second derivative of velocity, there is a jerk. In the third derivative of position, there's a jerk forward. Now, Scripture talks about this. In Amos 9.13, the days are coming. I believe he's talking about these days. When the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. NLT says it this way. When grain and grapes, are you ready for this? Grow so fast, you can't harvest them. It's coming so fast, you can't even harvest it. Jophet had seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. God interprets the dream so he can use that to save two nations. And Joseph follows God's plan. I believe we're coming to a season of supernatural acceleration. A jerking forward. The kingdom of God comes against violent men in hand, but it advances forward. But it's not going to happen if you're not looking for it. If we as a church are not awake, only as we allow the Holy Spirit to activate our gifts is this going to happen. Then the kingdom of God will advance. It will jerk forward in acceleration, in velocity, and in position. It's time to flip your story. So that it's God's story. So worship team comes. I'm just encourage you. Buckle up. Because John has some jerks coming forward. And I don't just mean the one sitting next to you. His kingdom is going to go forward. In your marriage, in your family, in your job, in the cities around us, in this state, in this nation, and the nations of this world. It's not all about us. God is moving forward. Buckle up. Because God is writing the story in you and through you and with you. Stand with me. Put your hands out like we learned last week in positioning just to receive from God. God, in this moment, Lord, you just flow. 
You make us bold. Help us to release and trust to you. Trust to you. We know the things we face and the circumstances, they're beyond us. But God, but God, they're not beyond you. You write the story. We'll live it out. Let heaven rule here, right here in my heart. Let your kingdom come right here into this building, into our homes, into our bodies. Through your story, in us and through us, with us, let your story be told. Activate faith in our hearts, God. Activate it right now. Turn your hands upside down. Just shake them. Lord, we shake off. We shake off that wrong story we've been telling ourselves. We shake off experiences that said this is the way life is. Papa, help us to see life as you see it, as we shake this off. Turn your hands over. Lord, remind us. Remind us of who you intended us to be. But God, but God, you intend good right now. Work through your plans. Work through your purposes. Lord, you live through us right now. As Steve sings, as we picture those walls, you see them coming down because God is faithful. But, God, this moment would never have happened. But, God, nothing but harm. But, God, doctor's reports. But, God, 